submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. We call this podcast, Are You a Fan of the Dark? Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on our visit back to the Midnight Society's campfire for snark, nostalgic snacks, and plenty of chats about each episode of the beloved Nickelodeon show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I'm Dale. And I'm Jody. And this week's episode, we are reviewing The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors. Now, as far as I remember, this is a uh, very child horror story troper, 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 trope sort of story. What do you remember about this episode, Jody? This episode's actually very familiar to me. What I remember of this episode is young boy in the neighborhood sees new kid on the block move in and realizes that he must be one of the undead, a vampire. Uh, then a bunch of shenanigans ensues, and I don't remember how this actually ends. I'm going to assume with the living kid triumphing over the dead one. Yeah, I vaguely remember that that's about how it goes. I don't remember another kid. Uh, I just know it's one of those, oh, some new neighbors moved in. They do weird stuff at night. They must be vampires. Yeah, I think the vampire kid is like some young blonde-haired boy, and he has like two servitors. I think they're supposed to be the parents, but I don't think they actually are. I think they're literally servitors, because he's some rich kid that doesn't even get to worry about his parents living with him. He's just that cool, apparently. Well, you know, he was a vampire and probably doesn't have parents anymore. <laughs> probably not. He's got himself two Renfields. Cool. Or are they zombies? <laughs> they could be zombies. So with that being said, let's move on to our retro sponsor. Punch Gushers with a taste that's gonna drive you fruity. It's very, very different and totally appealing. It's new Fruitomic Punch Gushers, the fruit snack bursting the juicy fruit punch in the so fruity they'll really turn your head. Whoa, I'll say. New Fruitomic Punch Gushers, the fruit punch is gonna drive you totally fruity. Man, I gotta split. In accordance with this week's vampire episode, we've brought you every vampire's favorite treat, Gushers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't get to eat Gushers a lot as a kid. I loved all sorts of jellied candies, so this was also one of my favorite treats. I do remember all the crazy commercials because they were really horrifying, if you think about it. Just because your head turns into some type of fruit does not make it horrifying. Or a dinosaur. Or a volcano, for that matter. All right, I see your point. <laughs> all sorts of things. So, uh, we have a package of Gushers here. Just one. Um, I have to share. Yeah, we got to share. That's okay. I'm not going to eat all of them. <laughs> so, let's open it up and see what we got. First off, what I'm seeing is that these are not the interesting um, polyhedrals that they advertise. Uh, that might not be its fault. <laughs> no, no, it's probably its fault. But we got <laughs> we got some variations in colors here you're eating a red one i'm trying not to eat it immediately i just want to <laughs> so you got some green some orange one blue one i'm gonna eat a, an orange one because i like orange stuff jody ate a red one and he's chewing it with a look of i don't know what on his face i think that was strawberry <laughs> it smells exactly like the fruit roll-ups i thought you were going to say it smells exactly like orange you know i think there's a reason why i didn't eat these as a kid it's kind of gross <laughs> <laughs> It's juicy in the middle. It's like really chewy on the outside, but really juicy in the middle. And not in like a 
appetizing way. Yep, that's blue raspberry. Uh, that was the blue one, in case anyone was wondering. Um, yeah, like I said, this is the vampire's favorite treat, um, just like it is for, you know, biting into a neck. Is it? Yeah, you gotta chew in a little bit, and then after a while, it gets juicy. We'll try this green one. I'm sure it's got red goo in it, because I think I see the red. Oh, that's watermelon. You're gonna regret this horribly. Good, <laughs> put it in your mouth. Do it. <laughs> Eat it like a person. <laughs> mm, it's not watermelon. I don't know what it is. A mistake? <laughs> it's making a film on my teeth. <laughs> Oh, God, that tastes like a pine tree. What is that? It's not mango. I think it's trying to be apple. I think it's trying to be apple. All mm-hmm. right, you get to try one of the red. I'll finish off the last orange. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, it's out. <laughs> All over my finger. I i am so happy we decided to go with Gushers. <laughs> oh, that's fruit punch, and it's got a lot of mango in it. Oh, gross. <laughs> Still just tastes like strawberry to me. <laughs> no, that's definitely fruit punch. That the was apple, disgusting. The apple had more pine flavor. Which we associate with mango, for any reference. So if it was just the outside, I'd be fine with that. I really don't like the, the juicy thing out on the inside. Yes, you could you could have those. <laughs> yeah, I'll take regular old fruit snacks any day. They weren't really gushy either. It oozed all over your finger. What more do you want? <laughs> well, that was physics. <laughs> that, that's a definite no for me. I think Jody liked it, but that's just because it was a chewy candy. Yep. <laughs> fruit flavored chewy candies right up my alley i don't think there's any fruit in those either i suspect heavily that there's not all right so uh quote unquote fruit gushers uh <laughs> definite definite no for me uh avoid the apple <laughs> pine flavored apple is definitely not something you should consume if you want something delicious go back to the capri sun all right so final notes <laughs> uh in retrying the gushers which we have not had in years actually either of us uh we found that our heads did not explode nope we did Um, not turn into fruits we did not turn into fruits nor uh, dinosaurs we did not turn into vampires either amazingly um or volcanoes or volcanoes uh all in all uh this candy was a bit of a letdown then (laughs) uh at least in terms of what it was uh promising advertised uh in terms of what it was advertised to be okay well let's get on to the episode about vampires hopefully they'll have better luck with uh gushers (laughs) Get him in the throat. (laughs) Okay, and we just finished watching The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors. The original air date was October 10th, 1992, and it was written by Chloe Brown and directed by Jacques Payette. We were right in assuming that this is definitely the tropiest of all trope vampire movies. Oh, episodes, but yes, definitely episode trope. (laughs) So we open up, as we usually do, with the Midnight Society around the campfire, and the kids are having a discussion as why are stories scarier at night? Now, I was really excited by this because it was a good discussion. It brought up a lot of valid points, that it's scarier, dark, you can't see what's going on around you, so you don't know if there's something out there going to jump at you and tackle you down. They're always scarier at night. Yeah, but why? Because you can't see things at night. After this discussion is kind of coming to an end, Betty Ann shows up and stupid kid with the bad haircut, Eric, gets all rude. I actually wanted to punch him in the face. And he's like, makes a disgusted noise. And Betty Ann's like, what the hell is your problem? And Eric's like, oh, you never tell good stories. They're always kind of gross, but everybody always has a happy ending. It's very lame. Why can't everyone just die and be horrible ever? Yeah. So Betty Ann's like, oh, okay, let me just, uh, let me tell you a story about why things are scarier at night. We begin the story and it opens on a 
kid uh, watching Night of the Living Dead on TV. <laughs> this isn't any kid. This is Day-Day kid. Yeah, it's Day-Day. Um, he's watching it, and he gets scared because his sister sneaks up on him and spoops him. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're watching The Night of the Living Dead, it's very easy to be spooped. They have a brief discussion about if you stay on the couch all day watching movies, you're going to turn out like Dad. Oh, that's Which dark. was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> oh, oh, I did. <laughs> I thought that was a very interesting little point they brought up. So as the sister is waxing poetic about wanting to see the world, she looks out the window and happens to notice that some neighbors are moving in across the way. At night. At night. <laughs> it's very weird. And they're, they're watching them as uh, the movers are taking stuff into the house and the family is standing outside. And it is a family because as they turn dramatically, it is a man, a woman, and a child. Small blonde-haired child. I did get that correct. And they are dressed all in black. So Day-Day and his sister Emma are sitting there wondering, why are they wearing all black? Are they artists? So if you're wearing all black, especially in a family, you've made a very committed choice. Yeah. You must be some sort of artiste. <laughs> yes, especially when you turn in tandem. It's it's a very um I, I wonder how many <laughs> I wonder how many takes that actually took to do. <laughs> yeah, so then uh Day-Day's kind of creeped out by them and and vows to avoid them. But then the very next scene is the is him and Emma the very next day going across the street to introduce themselves to the neighbors. They run into Larry the moving guy. Yeah. Who's bringing in two fridges um, two after big knocking crates. two very large crates, which are supposed to be refrigerators. After knocking on the door, he leaves the crates there. They determine from the packing slip that uh, the family's from the Ukraine and their name are the Brahms. I thought it was the Bronx at first for a second, oh. or the Brahms, so I kept having to rechange my notes every time. <laughs> it could be the Brahms, it could be B R O M. That'd be no, pretty it's, funny. It's Brahms, but it is uh, I thought it was Brahms at first, so I was a little <laughs> I was a little upset. <laughs> I wish it was the Brahms. That would be like... I know. <laughs> perfect. Oh, man. Anyway, so <laughs> the... a missed opportunity. <laughs> the not Brahms uh, are from... The sorry, Ukraine. From Ukraine. Are from the Ukraine. And right after uh, Larry the moving guy leaves, the two kids, Danny and Emma, begin to spout back and forth that, well, I wonder if they're ex-KGB agents. Ukraine is very close to Russia. Maybe they're on the run. <laughs> Yeah, it, they start getting real weird about stuff. So uh, since they can't meet the neighbors, they head back home. And right as they do, Mom comes running out of the house because she's late. She's late for a very important date. I'm late. Uh, don't forget to tell your father about... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm late. Bye. It could actually be a date, honestly. There's some serious trouble between mom and dad in this relationship. She's a bitch, because she, like, she knocks over the mailman and doesn't even offer to help him up. She's just like, I'm late, bye, and leaves yeah. the poor old man on the ground. This poor 90-year-old man who shouldn't yeah. be alive, uh, shouldn't be moving and doing postman jobs, is just thrown to the floor by this lady. <laughs> Toodles! Yeah, and the kids are like, yeah, sorry, mom gets crazy when she's in a hurry. And they help him up, and the poor mailman is like, oh yeah, thanks, I haven't been feeling so well. I've just been feeling as weak as a kitten. Yeah, it just turns out it has not been this guy's week. Um, yeah. Apparently that he met the neighbors last night and they came over and introduced themselves and like right afterwards he started feeling really bad and he's been feeling crappy ever since. He's getting this weird rash on his neck too. Very unfortunate. Yeah, and then it goes into like this uh, exposition where it's going through 
what the kids are noticing over the, the next week or so, I think. Basically, like, the neighbors only ever come out at night. Nobody knows what they do or where they go. And apparently they're introducing themselves all across the neighborhood. They have not yet come over to Day-Day and Emma's house yet. And nobody knows, like, why Lex isn't in school because he's never gone to school. And then we have this really weird little scene where Lex walks up on Emma, who's taking the trash out. And he's like, hey, can I come in and play? And Emma just looks at him like, uh... No. No, it's kind of late. And he's like, okay, another time then. And he just walks off. It's very creepy. Then it goes on to explain more that people all around the neighborhood have been starting to get weak and sick. And a lot of them have bandages on their necks. Yeah. Hmm. It's this weird neck rash, weak as a kitten disease, striking everywhere across this town. Yeah. And uh, right as all this is starting to make a lot more sense to Emma... She has this crazy, intense dream. It's a very Dracula sort of dream where Mr. Brom shows up and comes through her window in a fog and sneaks up on her and ta-da, he's a vampire. Now she's absolutely convinced that they're dealing with vampires here. And she's like, oh yeah, this this totally makes sense. The bandages on the necks, everybody's feeling weak. These people only come out at night. Oh my God. And she's trying to explain this to her brother who gives no fucks. <laughs> So after a giant mumbled uh, confession of what's going on to her brother, including, and my favorite point, a map pulldown of the Ukraine, it's right next to all of these other countries that end with <laughs> uh, like Romania, Transylvania. <laughs> oh, but the Ukraine doesn't. Anyway. But proximity. Proximity. So she has it in her head that they're vampires and she's going to fucking prove it because she's a, she knows what's in those crates wasn't refrigerators. She knows they were coffins and she's going to sneak into their basement and find them. And no one is going to talk her out of it. Nope. <laughs> Even her brother's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. That doesn't sound like a cool thing to do, but all right. <laughs> so we cut scene back to the Midnight Society, drinking something red <laughs> and clear. Probably Kool-Aid, but Mm -hmm. it was an appropriately amusing uh, shot. As they all sit there and talk about, wow, Emma's really going over into a house filled with vampires, huh? Goodbye, Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seems like a bad idea. (laughs) I love that there's not one person in the Midnight Society that doesn't sit there and go, hmm, yeah, that's smart. No, all of them are just like, yeah, you're going to die, lady. (laughs) Yeah, so that night, uh, Emma's talking to Day-Day, and she's telling her his plans, and she's like, All right, so if they're vampires, don't invite them into the house because they can't come in unless you invite them in. So whatever you do, do not invite the bronze into the house. You got that? Never. Yeah. So Daddy's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. How are you going to get over there anyway? Well, Emma's like, okay, well, they leave at the same time every night. So I'm just going to go over there after they leave. Duh. (laughs) In fact, they're leaving right now. I'm late. Toodles. Yep. (laughs) And out the door she goes. So Emma sneaks across the street. And she doesn't necessarily break in. That window is kind of open. Yeah, strange. This presumably vampiric family always leaves their basement window open. Yeah, so she just sneaks in through the window. And she's just looking around the basement with a flashlight. And while this is going on, over at her house, the doorbell rings. Ding dong. Data goes and answers the door and... Who would it be, of course, but Mr. and Mrs. Bronze? They ask to be let in. Day-Day just looks at them and he's like, uh, yeah, sure. 
oh wait no 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 you can't uh my dad's not home okay bye and then he closes the door in their faces rude (laughs) (laughs) just so rude yeah a little bit rude of course the mom hears what's going on and immediately comes down to find out what the hell are you doing day day we don't treat people like that we're above doing such things (laughs) yeah the mom opens the door and invites the family in and day day just gives his mom this look of oh my god what have you done and the mom gives him a look of you're an idiot, and just walks past him <laughs> to the living room to go visit with the bronze. Who have a wonderful conversation where they reveal that they actually work uh, with the paramedics here in town. They do ride-alongs on the ambulances, and they're trying to take that information and technology to go back to Romania, or sorry, the Ukraine, to do further research and implement such techniques there. It's very hard on Lex, though. He's so young and small, and he has not been feeling good. He's had some sort of disease ever since getting down here, but they need to get going here pretty soon. While this is going on, Emma is going around the basement, and she finds a door with a padlock on it, and doesn't really do anything about it. It's actually a combo lock. She keeps searching and searching and searching, and then she finds this interestingly shaped, what could be a box, under a tarp. She removes the tarp, and... It's not a coffin. It is, in fact, a refrigerator. Score one for Danny. A refrigerator with a combo lock on it. Day-Day. Score (laughs) one for Day-Day. She says, if I can do it at school, I can do it here. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So clearly this girl is a criminal. (laughs) I love just the complete subtext throughout this entire story of the bad problems that this family has and the obvious criminal tendencies of the children. And at this point, the bronze are like, okay, uh, Lex is not feeling well. We should probably take him home. And Day-Day's like, uh, uh, no, no, don't go yet. Um, uh, me and Lex, we can, uh, we can go play video games, right? Yeah, let's go do that. And Lex just gives him this really sickly look. I don't know if you can look at someone in a sick way, but he just, he looks terrible. And uh, Dede's like, okay, well then maybe not. And the bronze kind of shuffle themselves out of the house, but not before saying, since we've been invited, we'll be stopping by. Whenever more. we want. Yep. <laughs> it's very ominous and nobody says anything, which is very weird, but they leave and we get back, we cut back to Emma and she's, finally gotten the the lock off the refrigerator and she's about to open it when she hears a strange noise from behind her <laughs> yeah and she turns and she finds her brother who's snuck out from the other house to come to the bronze basement to let her know uh sis we need to leave now they're on their way she's like well no hold on i gotta see this before we go we we need to see what's in this refrigerator not a coffin <laughs> yep <laughs> not a coffin and she opens it and there's bottles and bottles of blood and they're not sure what to make of this but emma doesn't like it before they can do anything else about it they hear noises upstairs and they're like fuck we gotta go they slam the refrigerator shut pull the tarp back down but they forget to lock it again they make it blatantly apparent that the padlock is uncovered and the combo lock is left on the box next to the refrigerator yeah it's very bad planning so the kids run home amateurs yeah and they run to day day's room and they're like oh my god Okay, there were no coffins, but there was a refrigerator full of blood? What the hell? (laughs) And you let the bronze into the house. I didn't let the bronze in. Mom did. No coffins, no vampires. You said so. They they had bottles of blood. They're vampires, all right. And you invited them in. Did not. Mom did. So now they're both convinced that they are dealing with vampires. Not only are they dealing with vampires, but they're next on the menu because, well, they know the bronze are vampires. (laughs) 
So Emma decides they're going to make a march tomorrow. They're going to rush into the house, and they are going to take out their vampire menace. Get them before they get us. So we cut scene over to the next day. And Emma has been preparing. Um, She hands her brother a makeshift cross to wear around his neck. Made of wooden string. Uh, Apparently she has a bunch of wood spikes in her bag. That she's probably sharpened sometime off screen. Maybe she works at wood shop. Oh yeah, and at all this time she's actually had garlic in her room. During the day, the kids uh, go and sneak over across the street, and they head towards the basement window, sneaking in a very apparent not-sneaky-like way. (laughs) You know, the sneaking you do when you're 12 years old and you're sure you're doing it right. Head down, hands out. They uh, get through the window, and they get into the basement, and they head straight over to the door, where Emma starts trying to crack that lock. Because that's what she does all day at school. The thing that confuses me is that these vampires are using really cheap combo locks on everything? Well, look, Emma's only so good at her skills right now. If she doesn't have a cheap combo lock, she just can't pick it. That's true. There's this really dramatic thing where Emma's trying to crack the lock, and she's taking a long time. Day-Day's starting to get more and more scared, and he's holding the light up, and it's shaking because he's so scared. And as this is going on, the basement door opens. We see a shot of black pants and patent leather shoes descend the stairs onto the basement floor. Walk in front of the hiding place, which is a small table of the two children, blatantly pace around the table where the kids' legs are sticking out, their (laughs) hands are super obvious, the flashlights on the floor. (laughs) And then this person, not apparently seeing anything amiss, walks right back up the stairs and out of sight. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's a car honk and they go upstairs at that. Yeah, and this person obviously has no neck and thus cannot look (laughs) down. (laughs) No, because that was really obvious that the kids were hiding right there. Emma's butt was sticking out. Like, Like... (laughs) her leg is a... It's almost touching the door when the guy turns, or the the person turns and stares down the hall. Yeah. (laughs) And the kids are like, well, fuck, we gotta get out of here. So they don't... They did pop the lock, but they had to pop it back closed, and they're like, this is getting way too risky. They scramble out of the basement, and they go up back into the driveway... And as they're turning to leave... It is perfectly in time with the arrival of Mr. and Mrs. Bronze. The Bronze turn, see the kids, and, oh, hello, surprised to see you here. They're carrying with them a large cooler. With a big red cross on it. Emma and Day-Day are super surprised. What are you doing out in the daylight? Mm-hmm. I thought you worked nights. Well, it turns out that the Bronze did. However, their schedule has just changed, and now they're doing their ride-alongs in the, the mornings. They're able to go out and actually get to see Lex a little bit more often. And they explain that they have this cooler because apparently the hospital they're working at has a surplus of blood, so they're storing the extra blood in a refrigerator in their basement. Because that's legit. Yeah. Doesn't every paramedic? Sure. No. I store my blood with all of my Romanian transient friends from Ukraine. (laughs) Yeah, so the kids are like, oh, we're dumb. (laughs) Oh, um, by the way, Lex would love to come and play with you, Day-Day. Would it be alright if he came over tonight to play video games? (laughs) Yep, and since he's relieved that they are not vampires and no longer a threat, Day-Day says, yeah, sure, why not? So the kids run off back to their home, completely convinced that their new neighbors are in fact not vampires, and they're just the kids are just very strange and paranoid people. Where it cutscenes back down to the basement, Bronze are putting away the vials of blood, popping one open, and then walking to the uh, spare room, opening that, and revealing the coffin that lies within. And they're saying, Master, this was a really good plan to move to this country. 
there's so much more fresh blood available. And amazingly, no one thinks a young child can be a vampire. At that point, the coffin swings open and we see Lex. Who did we see? Lex. <laughs> Who immediately bares his teeth in a I'm so sinister grin yep. and tries to laugh, I think. Yeah, there maybe there should have been a vampire hiss there or... No, yeah, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the story ends, because it cuts back to the Midnight Society. Horrible story. I mean, not horrible story. What a remarkable twist in the turn of events. <laughs> where uh, Betty Ann ends it with, With ghosts and ghouls, there are no rules, but a vampire's bite only, only comes, comes at, at night. With ghosts and ghouls, there are no rules, but a vampire's bite only comes at night. The end. Yeah. I still like that. And then the it's kids corny, all, but I all like stand it. up and pour their Kool-Aid on the fire. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's because the meeting was brought to a close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was special. This was not a flare of disgust in their part. <laughs> no. Um, they all apparently enjoyed the story. All right. So where did that leave you? <laughs> I did not like how abruptly it ended. It was just, I kind of, it, it felt like it was the first half of a Goosebumps book. You were missing your sinister laugh before it closed? No. It just felt like there should have been more to it. It's a very classic story. I can't remember, like, how many stories I've read like that or heard. It's kind of a common thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Weird neighbors moving next door, they must be vampires. <laughs> like Or plant monsters. Or plant monsters. Or aliens. Yeah. In fact, I think we might have all of those later on in this series. <laughs> Probably. Or just a ghost. Or just a ghost. <laughs> just a ghost. Don't you know? Or it could be a wicked old man that steals the youth out of young people. Now, the one thing that I did like about this is they just went with the completely classic vampire thing. Like, once Emma decided they were vampires, there was no bullshit about it. There wasn't like, oh, well, they're allergic to this because of this. Or they react to this because of some dumb twisted thing. No, just classic vampire all the way. Don't like crosses. Don't like garlic. Gonna stake them in the heart. Let's do this shit. <laughs> yeah, the actual pacing for this I thought was pretty smooth. Um, because there was no BS, it was just, I know exactly what's happening here, and we're going to deal with it straightforward. Yeah, I, I totally appreciated that from Emma. Yeah, no, it was a very good way to tell this tale. If they'd done a lot of focusing on some of the minutiae, like the horrible problems going on between their family's parents, um, I don't think this would have gone as well. This this sold to me because it stayed uh, strictly to what was occurring. It was, here's the problem, here's what we're going to do about it. Okay, there's not really a problem. Actually, yes, there is. Yeah. Would have been sweet if there was a twist, like they were actually descendants of Van Helsing, or the Emma was secretly, like, Buffy. <laughs> I could have actually liked this story a lot more if the the new neighbors were actually vampire hunters and it was Emma and Danny that were actually the vampires. That would have been pretty cool, yeah. That wouldn't have gone completely differently, but that would have been interesting. But, yeah, it, it left some stuff lacking, but it certainly is not the worst episode of this season, I don't think. No. <laughs> no, we have that contender pretty solidly put <laughs> down. <laughs> it, uh, it met all the requirements for a spooky kid's story. Yeah. Uh, not the best, but certainly not the worst. This was a pretty good, uh, nice run-of-the-mill episode. Okay, with that all being said, let us go to our recommended screaming. Oh, 
Okay, and for this week's recommended screaming, I think it's quite obvious what we're going to recommend. Well, it should be. If you're familiar with today's episode, then this will probably pop into your head. So for the recommended screaming, we recommend Fright Night. The 1985 Fright Night. Yes, the first. The best. And not to be confused with any of the sequels. (laughs) No. (laughs) Much, much worse movies. So this came out in August 2nd, 1985. And it was directed by Tom Holland, who is also notable for directing Child's Play, Psycho 2, The Langoliers, and several Tales of the Crypt series. The story itself uh, features Charlie Brewster uh, as the main protagonist of, well, a very similar story to what we were just talking about. He even likes watching horror movies. So scarily similar. Except instead of a, a, you know, competent sister, he has a sort of whiny girlfriend. And an incompetent, somewhat traitorous best friend. So anyhow, the story takes up with Charlie Brewster uh, being with Amy, his long-term girlfriend, when a couple of new neighbors show up at the middle of the night, bearing a large coffin and bringing it down into a house next door's basement. And it's no question, it's not in a box or anything, it is a goddamn coffin that is being brought into the house. (laughs) Yep, straight up. Charlie's the only one that sees this, of course. No one else is paying any attention. Everyone else refuses to look, even. The story focuses on Charlie trying to figure out what's going on with his neighbor, as it becomes more and more obvious that it's very likely that the neighbor is a vampire. Murders uh, begin to erupt around the town as stories are brought to the headlines of everyone's attention, and Charlie has seen several of the murdered parties in his neighbor's house uh, shortly before they're found the next day. Eventual, oh god, it is definitely a vampire, culminates when Charlie sees his neighbor, Jerry Dandridge, totally about to chomp down on some young unsuspecting girl. Jerry then turns, sees Charlie watching him, and shuts the blinds. (laughs) Which reveals his freaky vampire fingers, which are very important throughout the movie, let me tell you. (laughs) Oh yeah, lots of candid uh, shots. But Um. we won't uh, reveal too much, but there is um, a horror movie host that's brought into the fray. And it's, you know, Fright Night is a cult classic. This this is probably what influenced the tale of the nightly neighbors. Uh, They just did a very, very G-rated version of it on Are You Afraid of the Dark? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Very G-rated version. (laughs) Now, this movie, um, it is problematic in that way that a lot of 80s movies are, but it does have some really cool makeup effects. And the story is a little wonky at times. As with any, almost any vampire movie, you're always left asking yourself, why doesn't the vampire just go in and kill that guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why is he waiting till the next night? Why is he giving them time to rest? That's very much happens here. In fact, it goes through about three or four nights of, why didn't he kill them already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're a fan of especially cheesy horror movies, you need to add this to your list if you haven't seen it. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the pictures on this are fantastic. Uh, the poster specifically is fantastic. The special effects through this are actually fairly entertaining when they're used. They're actually really good for the time when this came out. Mm-hmm. Beautiful effects, including the prosthetics that are used to enhance the fingers and make them look like claws, the makeup work that makes them look like transformed beasts, uh, including a full werewolf transformation at some point. <laughs> yep, you can totally see how this influenced a lot of vampire stuff from here out. Yeah, do your homework. Watch Fright Night. Okay. All in all, that was a pretty decent episode. Yeah. Yeah, I'd give that a good seven seven or eight out of ten. Uh, I wouldn't go that high. I think it's a good solid five. Really? Yeah. Hounds was a four. It's a very mediocre, no. 
No, pounds was like a negative number. It was in the <laughs> no, negative. That's true. I wouldn't be quite that cruel on this particular episode. <laughs> I still think Nightly Neighbors ranked about a, at least a six or a seven, at least. I'd say seven still. Good episode. Good episode. Not such good snacks. <laughs> I like Gushers just fine. <laughs> I did not turn into a Tyrannosaur or a dinosaur of any type, nor did my head explode into some sort of fruit. So other than that, I can handle that part of the disappointment. <laughs> and... All y'all go watch Fright Night, 1985. Yeah. I now declare this meeting of the Midnight Society now closed. Feel free to email us at areyouafanofthedark at hotmail.com. Are You a Fan of the Dark is all one word. You can also visit us at Are You a Fan of the Dark pod on Facebook. And we also have our Midnight Society fan club where you can submit your own memories or even just comments about Are You Afraid of the Dark? And you can visit our show notes at midnightsocietyfan.club. 